Hello and a very warm welcome as every Friday to Bergos Now. A few weeks ago, it was the last time that we talked art with Dr. Thomas Kellen, who's back here today. Hi, Thomas. Hi, Aurelia. When you were here last, we talked about NFTs and we said we would do an episode about that. We absolutely are not because due to current events, we felt it was very important part to look at art in Ukraine, um, how the international art market is reacting to the crisis and also expand that conversation a bit. Would you terribly mind um, maybe starting with the reaction in Ukraine, also maybe on an international scheme? Um, what is, what is you know, kind of the spirit there at the moment? Well, it is a very sad event and it doesn't get better uh, during the days. Uh, we are all very worried and uh, as much as we are worried, I can say all the artists, whatever they are, poets, musicians, visual artists, uh, filmmakers, everybody of course is extremely worried. Yeah. And what we realize is uh, first of all that also the market tries to stand with the Ukraine very, very strongly. Mm -hmm. uh, the auction houses think of it. There's one of the auction houses that is owned by Russia, uh, by Russians, not by Russia. This is Philips. Yeah. And they have donated their proceeds uh, to the Ukraine. Then we have a lot of artists, uh, Western artists, Eastern artists who are standing with the Ukraine, who are doing um, all kinds of uh, events uh, were organizing even donations uh, one very important episode was that the national gallery in berlin was open for 48 hours or almost 48 hours two days during the weekend of march 5 to 6 uh, this was by the new director klaus biesenbach an initiative uh, he was there during the whole night yeah. olaf eliasson was also Uh, demanding uh, all the colleagues uh, to donate. Uh, there is an organization called Be an Angel. We know that there was an organization called Art Angel in Great Britain. So right. Be an Angel now is, has been founded uh, to give all the incoming donation money towards the Ukraine. Uh, there's the famous Serbian artist. Uh, as we know, the Serbians are more on the Russian side as much as at least the official polit politicians uh, think. Marina Abramovic, who is the most famous uh, living performance artist, she also wants to give the proceeds from her performance, um, beneficial auction, she calls it now, mm. uh, to the Ukraine. Um, and I think, you know, each museum in the West is doing something, each gallery in the West is doing something, all the artists that say are really sticking together. Yeah. At the same time, uh, we have been realizing what the Russian artists are doing. And there are many, many, many Russian artists who are also against, officially against the war, right, yeah. who are, as much as they protest, uh, immediately caught by the police, by military, put to jail. They have to face um, 15 years of uh, jail, uh, theoretically. We sure. don't know how it will come out. Yeah. Uh, so we realize a major, major, major tragedy that has a very strong effect everywhere and mm -hmm. therefore also uh, on the art market. I wouldn't talk about numbers right now. You know, there's no um, 
sales uh, there's no lack of sales now because of it yeah. uh, it's too early to see whether really the arc market itself is affected by it mm. probably it mm. will be mm. affected in some way mm. um, i think the important uh, point is really that uh, you have a very strong peace initiative on all sides there shouldn't be discrimination of russian artists because they are russian uh, we are facing the, the fact that uh, Anna Netrebko is asked to stand up against Putin, which she doesn't do, therefore she cannot perform anymore, uh, and so forth and so forth. But I think there is no reason to really uh, officially uh, talk against the Russian artists. It is not their fault what happens right now. Sure, yeah. Also, obviously, this is an incredibly tough spot to be in because on the one hand, of course, art has a voice that is very hard to find anywhere else, right? It has it has a different reach, it has a different medium, different language, of course. And on the other hand, we see this with journalists, of course. It is free speech in such an environment, especially if you're physically still in Russia. It, yeah, it's incredibly tough. Yeah, thank you for that. Thomas, if you're, if you're looking towards the Ukrainian art scene in particular... Um, I know that you wanted to go a bit into detail there, too. Tell us about art in, in Ukraine, please. Uh, there are two sides. The one side is the contemporary Ukrainian art. Mm -hmm. We cannot really see right now, except in very, very few spots. Mm -hmm. uh, so one I mentioned in our most recent newsletters, that is, of course, the film artists. They can easily kind of wire the things into Western museums. So Castello di Rivoli in Torino is really showing Ukrainian contemporary film art. Mm -hmm. uh, then we know that the most important Russian artist um, we, we know for decades, Ilya Kabakov, he's uh, born Ukrainian. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has been a Russian uh, children's bookmaker for decades, for many years. And uh, let's say his fate is very interesting because he came from uh, Dnepropretovsk. Sorry, it's always not so easy to say. Dnepropretovsk, <laughs> he was born there. This is the Ukrainian part of the Socialist Soviet Republic mm -hmm. in 1933. So he's uh, turning 90 next year. Mm. And uh, Kabakov, um, I mention this because I think it's very interesting. He says... Um, I think the Soviet Union is a is a wonderful project. She always calls the things projects. Interesting. And socialism is a wonderful project. However, as many Westerns are saying, okay, it has to fail economically because it wouldn't work. We need some sort of a capitalist structure, even mm. a country like Russia or the former Soviet Republic. Gabakov says... It is not failing because of that. It will kind of uh, disappear one day. And why? Because the fairy tale idea of socialism uh, will not will never become true. Mm -hmm. You will always have sort of a mean person or some something like a very very difficult basic problem that people just cannot solve. And 
so it is a very poetical approach. You know, he's not anti this and that, but he says uh, in his uh, major piece he realized once in uh, Western Germany the so-called Palace of Projects, right. which is a building that is dedicated to all the projects he has ever thought of. But he thinks that all these projects are real projects. They are really there. It's mm-hmm. real thought. And it's all about socialism. It's all about the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. Um, so saying that, Kabakov already stands in a way for the Ukrainian influence into Russia. Mm-hmm. And then if we go back, uh, everybody, every school child almost knows who Kazimir Malevich was. Of you know, yeah. He is the founder of suprematism, of abstract art. Kandinsky is the founder of abstract art in the mm-hmm. West. Both of them come from Ukraine. Uh, the same with uh, Tatlin comes from Ukraine. The same with Alexander Exter comes from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. The same even with Sonia Delaunay, mm-hmm. who became That's a very right. important Paris artist. And th- people think she's German. He's, she married a German um, gentleman, but she's from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And the same with Pevsner, with Bulyok, with Archipenko. Uh, so you have all these Ukrainian people, besides that people like Chagall, for instance, also is not really a Russian, but he comes from the Baltic uh, countries. Mm. Um, so we have a little bit the idea that the time between already the 1910s and the 1930s, the so-called avant-garde decades, um, the Russians have been almost culturally invaded by these Cubo-futurists, by these modernists, by these people who thought, well, it is basically Paris that has been brought to Moscow. Mm -hmm. And Moscow was, in a way, okay, interested, but finally always, always a little bit against that. Mm -hmm. And as we all know, it was not only Lenin, it was not only the Bolsheviks, but it was in majority was Stalin who never ever permitted any kind of avant-garde. And in a way, you have this even in the work of Kabakov. So it tends to be not really avant-garde because avant-garde is not allowed in official Russia as if it were the continuation of the Soviet Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, as we said in the beginning, we are absolutely not against Russian art. Uh, we love the Bolshoi Theater. I think there's nobody on the planet who doesn't want to hear uh, Anane Prepko singing. And so it is so difficult to say what is good and what is bad. Basically, I would say we know what is sad and what is what makes us happy. And I still hope as much as I hope that art will make us happy. We really, really hope that Ukrainian will survive and that peace will come very, very shortly and very, very urgently. Thomas, it's such a beautiful notion. We don't know what's good and bad, but we know what is sad and what makes us happy. That's a really beautiful thought. I also, when you when you were talking about those artists, I couldn't help but think of how poetic they all are in their own way, right? Like very, the, 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 the fluent boundaries between painting and music and, you know, these, these influences that are so very much just of a creative nature. And I don't know, I can't help but shake this connection to just sort of a soul of a people, right? And, and seeing now how brave they are, it reminds me very much of, of these expressions in art throughout the ages already. Um, Thomas, you mentioned Russian artists, of course, and, and absolutely I would second that notion in any moment. Of course, we should not 
you know, externalize Russian artists at this point. But how do you think are Russian artists affected by this at this point in the future? Well, right now, as we know, all the Russian organizations are kind of blocked. And if you enter Western countries as a Russian artist, you are in a way suspicious, right? You are checked two times, three times. Mm -hmm. um, and we need to have the patience to make a separation here. Mm -hmm. uh, we have to discuss what happens to the property of the oligarchs, and this is something else. However, the artists, I think, usually... Uh, they already say that they are against the so-called Putinism. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think basically they will also help us to uh, end this war as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a point of view that Russia in some ways has different official art until today than, for instance, Ukraine and Western Europe, United States of America, etc., um, I think there will be a lot of discussion on that in the, in the future. Maybe I come uh, to a comparison in literature. We all know the work of Tolstoy, and he's the grandmaster of, let's say, Soviet art, right? He's more really the Russian. Yeah. He was a wealthy man. He had a lot of property. And then if you look back into the past before him, you have names like uh, Gogol and Bulgakov, and they were, again, the Ukraine. They weren't even very fluent in Russia. Um, also Malevich, uh, Russian was a foreign language to him. Yeah. So I think we have to have this exchange between the two cultures, and Russia should be open to the other cultures and vice versa. Mm -hmm. This would be our recommendation here from Bergos, yeah. I think. Yeah, again, a beautiful notion. Thomas, thank you so much for sharing some very poetic and very beautiful notions in these grim times. And I think it's a very important aspect that I'm happy we got to discuss today. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Aurelia. And we thank you, as always, very much for listening. Um, although it's hard to wish you a beautiful weekend in this time, I still do that. And I hope that you have a pleasant and beautiful weekend. So we're back with more from Bergos now next Friday. Bye-bye. <laughs>